Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Well, good morning. Um, My name is Pastor Kurt. Um, I uh, am the online campus pastor here at Garfield. If I have not met you, um, I hope I get a chance to meet you later, but it is good to be here this morning. I cannot promise that I won't make any dag jokes, but I will do my best also to not make any pastor jokes. And you probably know pastor jokes are, are worse than dad jokes. And those of us that are dads and pastors uh, make the worst jokes. My children remind me of this uh, frequently. Uh, they tell me I'm not funny. I'm not sure if they're correct, but um, my, my oldest son is in the house with us today. He said that this is the first time he's ever heard me preach, so this is a pretty cool moment for me. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I also, um, my, my dad is here as well, so there's three generations, which is just awesome. So I, I, I want to acknowledge um, that Father's Day is really tough for some folks. Uh, it it, it kind of sucks, uh, you know, and, and maybe it's because, um, you know, your father recently passed away, or maybe you've dealt with infertility, maybe you've lost a child. I don't know why, but many of us probably struggle a little bit with Father's Day. There's a mixed emotions, right? There's oftentimes grief and joy mixed in together. Um, and so I just want you to know that, that we are with you. And many of us have been through some of those same types of things and that you're not alone. Um, also, I need to clear, uh, clear something up. So I got a text during the message last week. Did you really call Chip an idiot? No, no, no. Chip's children, he has shared from up here before, say that Pastor, the Reverend Dr. Warren Freed, that's Chip's first name, right? Yeah. I I outed him. Ah, payback. Anyhow, um, his kids, you're not preaching next, uh, okay. Yeah. So his kids like to say he remembers big. And I believe this is an instance where Pastor Chip has remembered big. See, we've been in this series on Proverbs, and, uh, you know, he said, oh, I don't know if there's all that good of stuff. And I was like, oh, bro, like, there is such good stuff in Proverbs. So that is not me calling Pastor Chip an idiot to his face, to your face. Um, that is all, that, that is the story, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to it. So, um, the last thing, though, I want to I acknowledge and celebrate is really that it's, it's Juneteenth, right? It's, it's that day we—yeah, absolutely. It, it's that day that the word um, freedom finally got to 
Galveston, Texas, right? And so we celebrate that. But I, I, I was pondering and reflecting upon it that, that Juneteenth um, and Father's Day on the same day brings both those, gr- that, that, those moments of grief and, and joy all together. And, and the reason is, is that we know slavery ripped, uh, ripped apart families. You know, husbands and wives were sold up the river and down the river and pulled apart, and, um, and children were, were, were pulled from their families and, and sent elsewhere. And when freedom finally came, and, and those slaves who were now free men and free women were able to go and do as they pleased, finding their family was in many, in many times virtually impossible to do. And so I just, um, my prayer is that there's continued healing there because those, those wounds and pain, they don't, they don't just stop. And, and many of them carry generations. And so again, we are with you. My prayer is that there is a healing that continues in that place. So uh, we have been in a series um, on Proverbs, as I mentioned, and Today, I want to talk about how we get wisdom in the context of parenting. Now, if you're not a parent, um, that's okay. I think that these are principles that apply across the spectrum for relationships. So maybe that's with a family member. Maybe that's with your own parent. You're parenting up um, just as you lead up maybe in the workplace. But there are plenty of places where wisdom uh, can be applied in this context. And I am going to speak to it in the context of parenting today. So as you heard out of Proverbs 4, it opens with this, listen children to a father's instructions and be attentive that you may gain insight. Now I really like this this version of saying listen children. Now it's not just speaking to small children. We heard a couple weeks ago that um, the Proverbs, especially this section of Proverbs, was probably used as an instruction manual for, for boys because that's who was educated in that society. Thankfully, we have moved beyond that and widened the circle, one might say, uh, in that regard. So, but he's speaking to children, and, and it's not just uh, children by age, but I believe this is a word for all of us, that we are children of God. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells his disciples, truly I ch- tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Children have this unique ability to grow, to be curious, to be humble, and, and, and to search out things. It's in their nature. They are physically growing, emotionally growing, mentally growing all of the time. And just because we have stopped physically growing taller, we can always be growing spiritually and mentally and emotionally. Amen? So we come to God, we come to wisdom. If we want to grow in wisdom, we need to come with a humble spirit, with a curious spirit, seeking always to gain instruction and to learn in that place. Now it goes on, and in verse 5 it says, Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. And then it says in verse 6, the, the sage here, the teacher, is uh, exhorting his students, do not forsake her 
and she will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. And that her we've talked about is, is wisdom being personified as a woman. The men that wrote the book, books weren't as dumb as we might think. They understood that there was a feminine quality to wisdom. But it's saying is, is go and get wisdom, and wisdom, she will protect you. That's a, that's a pretty good, good thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about that protection in the context of parenting in a moment. Uh, but then it goes on, and there's a second exhortation. In verse uh, 8, it says, Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a, uh, a fair garland. She will bestow upon you a beautiful crown. God is saying here, if you cherish wisdom, another word here uh, for this to prize is to cherish. If you cherish it, wisdom will elevate you and bring success to you in ways that you could not imagine. Now the Hebrew word for prize in this passage is sal salach. And it means to esteem, it means to to prize, to cherish, but it's also got a little bit of a, a wider meaning. Um, it, it can mean actually to caress or to cuddle. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable, don't read Song of Songs. <laughs> Hebrew tradition was you didn't read that until you were 30. There is good reason for that. But it's, this, it's, it's an intimacy. Embrace wisdom. Be with wisdom. Go with wisdom. Go steady with wisdom, Right? Now, if, if we also, I think, can, can put it in the context of a, a, a relationship of a, of a parent and a child, right? And that, I love that word, cuddle. My, my kids love to cuddle. I, I don't know any kids that don't love to cuddle with their parents. It's that moment of, of safety and warmth and love and acceptance. And that's the picture that the sage is trying to communicate to his students, to us as his students, to get close to wisdom. Now, as I mentioned, wisdom is best applied contextually in our lives. If you read through, there's lots of kind of pithy sayings within Proverbs, and it can be a difficult book to get through, especially if you're Pastor Chip. And I love you. I love you, brother. I... I'm in trouble. The internet feed's going to go down next week. Um, so, so there, it, it, but it, it is. It's hard. It just, if you just teach a concept, if you don't put it into a practice, it can be hard to, to really integrate into your life. So I want to put a couple of principles around parenting um, in, in the context of wisdom. So a note about the um, attitudes of parenting and child rearing in American culture today. So there's kind of an old school mentality, a traditional uh, conservative idea of parenting where child rearing is control. It's, so it's, it's words like respect, don't speak unless spoken to, you know, um, discipline, control, all of those types of things. And there are some values in that. 
But there's, there's a modern, uh, maybe more liberal approach to, to child rearing. And what I think we see sometimes is a pendulum swing, right? So, you know, that, that traditional model of parenting, um, you know, was maybe a couple generations um, ago. And it swung the other way to the idea of child rearing is love and affirmation. And there's certainly some, there's lots of validity in that. That is God's relationship with us to love and affirm us. But as the pendulum swings the other way, love, parenting through love and affirmation is not uh, participation trophies, right? There, there is a, there's a balance between the two of those things. There's a third way, though, and it's really the biblical way of Proverbs. And it's the approach to Proverbs, uh, to to child rearing is wisdom and relationship. Proverbs uh, 22 verse 6 says this, train children in the right way and when old they will not stray. So parenting through the, the lens of Proverbs is about training children. It's about instructing them and guiding them and mentoring them and coaching them. It's not about controlling them. It's not about just loving them but it's about teaching them. We all want for our children to be uh, healthy and successful participants in society. And so to do that, we train our children. So I want to um, talk about the context of, of wisdom in parenting through wisdom in patience and then wisdom in presence. Now a disclaimer here, Okay. This is what I would call an aspirational sermon. Do we understand what that means? Don't put me or anyone who ever brings a word, um, we, we like to say a word from the Lord, right? There's a lot of trust that that's happening, but don't ever put a preacher on the pedestal, even if they are up on a pedestal, okay? So, so I would, um, I, I just, I offer that to you humbly, okay? Um, now, I'm going to read some verses about, um, about parenting here and children. And you're going to hear the word discipline a lot of times. And a lot of times we equate discipline with punitive punishment of corrective action. But I think it's much more than that. So, the Hebrew word for discipline in these passages is musar. And Musar is properly translated discipline, but our understanding of what discipline truly is is a little bit skewed. The connotation in the Hebrew here is that discipline has a strong idea of coaching, right? It's, it's again, it's that instructing. So that, so that, so when you hear, as I read these passages, you hear the word discipline, think instruction, think coaching, okay? Can you do that for me? Okay, so the first one is Proverbs 20, uh, 23, verse 13. It says, Do not withhold discipline from your children. If you beat them with a rod, they will not die. <laughs> it's the old spare the rod, spoil the child. Some of you are clapping for that. <laughs> now, a couple of things about that. Number one is, some of your parents, maybe some of us, have used that to justify child abuse, okay? 
And that's not at all what this passage is about. In fact, when I think about the word rod, my mind goes to, to Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Right? The shepherd's rod, God's rod, is there to comfort us. It's there to guard us and to protect us. So the rod is about discipline, but it's, it's not about punishment. Sure, the sheep got a little whack once in a while to get in line, but it was about guiding them, and it was about protecting them from the wild animals that sought to kill the, the shepherd's sheep. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The second scripture here is, Discipline your children while there is hope. Do not set your heart on their destruction. Come on, parents. While there is hope, there is always hope. But, but there, there is that sense of, I mean, we need patience in this one. Did I mention my son is sitting in the audience for the first time? So, instruct your children while there is still hope. And let's be honest, all of us have thought once in a while, oh, those children. I have never said this, but I hear it's a saying. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> Proverbs 19, verse 18 says... Teach your children, instruct your children before you want to end your children. <laughs> While there is still hope. And maybe that's hope for your child, maybe that's hope for us. Third scripture, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Those who spare the rod hate their children, but those who love them are diligent to discipline them. Those who spare instruction, who spare comfort and, and, and teaching and protection, those, those parents that, that withhold those things, don't love them. So, so as a parent, it, it's about protecting and guiding and teaching and instructing and comforting. Again, I mentioned this is an aspirational sermon for many of us. Pro the, the wisdom of patience in parenting, I think best can be summarized by Proverbs 16, verse 32. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and those whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. Dads, I think this is a verse for us, isn't it? Those of us that maybe like to parent loudly, right? Slow to anger, controlled temper. If we want to train and instruct our children or our coworkers or our family members or even be trained and instructed by the Lord, right? There, there is a slow to anger. There is a patience. There is a control, that can only come from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. 
when we have patience, we're able to acknowledge this. Every action of a child, good, bad, other, every action of a child is trying to communicate something. And, and really, I would go beyond that. Every action of a person is trying to communicate something. Children don't have the words to put for their emotions and what they're feeling and thinking. And a lot of, let's be honest, a lot of people don't either. And so instead of reacting when there's disobedience, when there's, when there's acting out, when there's disruption, asking ourselves what is, the, what is the message behind that action allows us to now respond instead of react to the situation. It gives us the ability to, to teach into those moments, to guide and instruct into those moments instead of fall back into control or fall back into punitive punishments and things like that. Now, some of you are like, Kurt, you don't know my kids. <laughs> and I would respond, you don't know my kids. <laughs> I warned Kenya on the way in. And please take, take Pastor Chip up. Go and, and see those kids. They will melt your heart and transform you in a way that you can't imagine. But I, I told Kenny, I saw her in the parking lot on the way in, and um, I said, hey, I think my kids are coming to church, maybe, and they made it. Perhaps to my wife, I love you. <laughs> she is the saint, and we'll get to that in a second here, okay? So I said, if they just scowl at you and don't talk, don't take it personally, okay? So, but if you think your kids are difficult, if I think my kids are difficult, don't forget Mary had to raise the Son of God, and let's be honest, Jesus was sinless, but he was kind of squirrely. And if, if you don't believe me, let's go to, to, to Luke 2. There's a story where, where Jesus um, and his family go to Jerusalem for Passover. And after a couple of days there, they go home. Now Jesus is 12 in this story. And before you judge Mary and Joseph for not knowing Jesus was with them for three days— Remember, he's 12, right? You don't look over your 12-year-old's shoulder every moment of the day. My oldest is 12. I understand how this works. And many of you parented a 12-year-old. They're a little snarky, and they're very independent. Well, finally, Joseph and, and Mary figure out Jesus isn't with them. He's not in the caravan. And they go back to Jerusalem three days more. And they find Jesus— and Mary says this, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. She did not say that nicely, by the way. <laughs> she did not. And Jesus gives this really snarky response. Well, you knew I was in my father's house. And like, son, shut up. I don't care if you're the son of God or not. You're going to shut up and, do, and, and stay with us for crying out loud. After all of that, it says this. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And may have wanted to end them in a minute. If that's not the ultimate picture of patience, I don't know what is. So it is possible because your child is not the son or daughter of God. 
They're wonderful kids. But we can parent in patience. We will begin to parent in patience, to lead in patience, to have relationships in patience when we embrace that same spirit that was filling Mary. Now, the, the second piece of wisdom that I want to talk about in context of parenting is wisdom in presence. When we practice patience, we can then also practice presence. So presence, I think, ultimately is really about love. And so I want to share a couple of scriptures out of, uh, again, out of Proverbs. It's like we're doing a series in Proverbs, I know. Um, But it says in Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Out of patience, we speak love. I mentioned I I parent loudly. A soft answer. A soft answer turns away wrath, right? It's not just about your children provoking you, but there's scriptures, especially in the New Testament, that say fathers don't provoke your children. It goes both ways, right? And, And so... I think it's important that we, we are patient and, and kind and present with our children. There's, there's two gifts that my dad gave me. One when I was growing up was uh, the book, Dale Carnegie's book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's, it's not really a sales book. It's not, um, it's not a book how to manipulate people, but it's really a book about presence. It's about how to make people feel cherished and loved when you're present with them. One of my favorite quotes in it is, Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Right? It's about being present. And, and how, how much do your children want to hear their name, want to hear that love and affirmation from you? Right? And so... The other gift my dad gave me a couple of years ago was on my wrist. And um, did you, it's, it's an Apple Watch if you can't see it. Um, did you know you can put those on Do Not Disturb? That's a thing. And you can also put your smartphone, which I actually, I, I'm getting anxiety. It's over there. Is it still there, Terry? Okay. Whew. So you can put your phone on Do Not Disturb. Nothing, nothing breaks relationship more than when you're sitting and engaging with someone and you pick up your phone to look at a text. You pick up your phone to look at the latest alert. You don't need to know what those are when you're in the presence of a person you love and care about. So I can't tell you, though, how many times my children have said, Dad, put down your phone. There's something about being present. We live in a world of distractions, And we can't practice presence if we're always distracted. So maybe it's not your phone, maybe it's not your watch, but there's something in your life that you need to sometimes put on do not not disturb mode and be present. I've done a lot of well, I have four boys, if I didn't mention that. I also have two dogs. There's There's a chaos in my house. And I grew up in a two-child in a, a two household. There were no pets. 
We got a cat when we were in high school, and that was the, my mom. Anyways. Um, but our house was pretty orderly and pretty controlled, and, and there, wasn't as, there, was, there wasn't as much chaos, especially for me. I was my mom's number one son in more ways than one. But I, I, as a result, I, I, I didn't hear that, so we'll go with Commentary from the peanut gallery. All right, I got I to gotta speed up. We're running out of time, and some of you have reservations for, for fa- uh, Father's Day brunch. So, um, but I learned, I, I, I going through parenting classes, going through counseling, going through getting mentoring, and all of these things, I, I learned something um, called mind-body-soul time. And the, the class that it taught it, uh, the woman said, you should do mind-body-soul time with, with your child every day. 15 minutes, put everything down. What do you want to do? And whatever that is, do it with the child. And there's that connection. There's that presence. Well, I, I have four kids, and, and I, don't, I, I don't know that I have an hour a day to do that, right? So I have tried, though, to do that principle on a regular basis with them, and sometimes for a more extended period of time. So the other day, one of my kids, um, we were kind of clashing a little bit, and, uh, and, and I had a moment of, of, of sanity, and I said, hey, buddy, do you want to spend some time just with Daddy? Yeah, that would be great. And so we, we planned a little uh, outing um, in, in a couple days later and just spent some time. And it, it was just wonderful to see his eyes and his heart light up as we got to spend time just the two of us. The other day, my, my six-year-old wanted to go on a bike ride, and, and um, I was trying to get some of the other kids to come with us, and then I realized that he struggles to keep up because he's, he's younger than them. He's not as fast. And I said, hey, buddy, do you want to just, just the two of us go? Yeah, and I want to lead, Dad. I will follow, son. I will follow. aspirational. So the Desert Fathers, if you're not familiar with the Desert Fathers, and I want to end with this, the Desert Fathers were a group uh, of basically um, uh, uh, early Christians that would actually go out and live in the desert, live in the caves, and they would spend lives fasting and praying and service and things like that. And there's a lot of wisdom in that movement. Eventually, they, they, we really kind of got away from that movement. But um, I have a book called The Desert Fathers, and, and one of the stories in it is, is about patience and, I think, presence. I want to share it with you as we, as we wrap up. Some robbers once came to a hermitage and said, we've come to take everything out of your cell. So they took what they found in the cell and went away, but they missed a little bag that was hidden in the cell. The hermit picked up and ran after them, shouting, my sons, you missed this, take it. They were amazed at his patience and restored everything and did penance to him. They said to each other, truly, this is a man of God. Now, if that's not a picture of parenting, just the, hey, I'm taking everything, I don't know what is. But that desert father is a picture for us to parent, to love to be in relationship. He was with them. He was present with them as well as he was patient with them and it led them to, to repentance. It instructed them on the right path. If we want our children to follow the right path, 
We have to model it for them. We have to walk that path with them in patience and in presence. There are two times in Luke 2, they're really the only two stories of Jesus' childhood. The first one is they're in the temple. He's getting circumcised um, on the eighth day. That was the Jewish tradition. And, and afterward, it says, um, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then out of that temple thing, that, that little temple tiff, you might say, with Mary, um, it says in Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and years and in divine and human favor. That is my prayer for each of you today, for your children, for your parents, for your friends, for your family, for your loved ones, that all of us might grow in wisdom, in years, and in favor, of, in favor of God and man. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much that you love us deeply and intimately, Lord, that we can call you father, that we can call you mother, that we can know your everlasting, never-ending love and affirmation. God, help us to, be inst- to follow your instruction, to follow your wisdom, so that we can share that and transform others, but that we might too be transformed. Help us to live into that wisdom so that we might reflect the beauty of your kingdom as we celebrate and grieve in hand in hand, today and every day. Let freedom reign in this place and across the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.